y'all. Welcome to What's Up Deck, the chillest tarot podcast with the punniest name. I'm your host, Liana Marie. Let's see what's going on in the tarotverse today. And hello, we are recording. So we are here with Claire Moon of Lightning Light Astrology. Welcome, Claire. Hi, thanks for having me again. Oh, literally whenever. It is a genuine joy. Uh, So I'm very excited about this episode. Um, So I, as you know, I do the tarot things. And Claire, as you know, does, or if you didn't, now you do, does the astro things. And... We are going to, for this episode, we're going to do a little bit of a trade We're going to do a little bit of a trade episode. So I'm going to do like a three-card read for, for Claire. And then Claire, I sent her a few questions about my chart. Um, as I am now learning a little bit more about astrology and all of those things, I, I had some specific questions. And so we're going to yeah, just kind of go back and forth uh, on each other's stuff and uh, have some chats and also discuss, you know, some general astro weather and such. And sorry, kind of like Claire, you were just talking um, about like the idea of like meeting up at a coffee shop and just like getting to chat with friends about these types of things. Right. You know, just kind of have some collaborative learning around it. Yeah, we're going to talk turkey. We're going to talk the weather report. Talk about each other. What else is there to talk about? What else do we talk about anyway? Right. Yes, let's start there. Let's start with the weather report. (laughs) Okay. All right. So I guess just, you know, some high notes uh, for like this week. Uh, We have Mars going into Gemini tomorrow into like 3-4, depending on where you are in the world, March 3rd, March 4th. And Mars has been in Taurus for a long time. Uh, It's been in this square with Saturn for months. And we are leaving all of that now. So we're leaving Mars and Earth. We're leaving Saturn square. Super great. Awesome time. Uh, Mars is going into Gemini. So we're going into air. It's a little more expansive. We got more room to move our legs, move our little Martian legs. Um, And so that'll be really nice. And then we're also in a trine relationship with Saturn now between two air signs. So they share that affinity because Saturn is in Aquarius. Everybody remembers that. And uh, Mars is going to be in Gemini and they are 120 degrees away approximately. Uh, So by sign, now we'll have that for at least six weeks because it takes about that long for Mars to go through a sign. And so what this means practically is just like work may feel easier, hopefully. Work may feel like if you're stuck, if you've been feeling stuck. I mean, Mars loves to move, right? Mars loves to get stuff done, love, loves to do the things. Um, if you are a fire sign and you're in an earth sign, you're not moving super fast. You're not moving with ease. You are coming up against, you know, and there can be a lot of like staying power with that and a lot of like endurance and stamina, which I'm sure also people have been experiencing. Um, hard to get going, but once you do, you're, you, you go. Uh, but yeah, it, it's also not just super easeful. So I'm hoping that with this trying situation now, even though it's between two malefics, I don't know if Mars has ever really felt supported in a trine by Saturn. Like if you ask Mars, if he feels supported by <laughs> Saturn, I don't think he'll ever say yes. Uh, cause Mars wants to do and Saturn wants to <laughs> like 
hold back. We want to have boundaries. We want to. So yeah, I think that'll be good. Also gives a little bit more structure to Mars. Uh, we can get a little bit more of that Saturnian discipline. Uh, so I kind of think just like, especially with Gemini being so like multiplicative and it's like that has its own kind of weird expansion where it just kind of wants to have more and more and more information, mm -hmm. data, thinking, thoughts. Uh, I would take this opportunity to take a deep breath and recommit to a focus or two or three, not like five to ten, because um, that's what Gemini likes to do. Too many things. Mm, that is really good advice. Because, yeah, with this shift in the energy and everything oh, yeah. feeling good, I could very much see that turning into, oh, things feel good. Now let's do all of them, right? Yep. I am 100% about to do that. And I caught myself with this. And I'm going to try to listen to it. Because uh, for those of you who don't know, I just resigned from my, like, big girl job, I guess. Uh, woo, woo! There it is. Air horns. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> who knows how long it'll last but now that I have all this free time I'm just like oh, I'm gonna do everything but I can't because right. I need to be like I need to have my Saturn I need to have some structure some discipline some you know so I can continue to do the work consistently for a long time that's what Saturn likes is a long time <sighs> hard work uh, and if I do the Gemini thing and I get really excited like Mars likes to do you know, it's, it could become just a real quick burnout thing. And later in the month, um, Mercury, who really is ruling over mm -hmm. this situation because Mercury rules Gemini, uh, only going to be in an air sign in Aquarius for like a couple more weeks. So take advantage of that time because then Mercury is going to go into a water sign into Pisces and that's our thinking planet. That's our logical, rational kind of planet. Um, not going to be as good at doing that kind of daytime, like society valued stuff um like taxes so do your taxes now mm. or wait until after april 4th and with that that's my short little weather we report um, yeah i was gonna say that is that is a that is a healthy weather report in like three or four minutes that people just got there there we go yeah yeah <laughs> Um, oh, you know, I should mention too, Venus is in Pisces, which is super nice. That's kind of like the balm. I feel like the sun, Venus, and Neptune all in Pisces right now is like a balm to kind of this like harsh, airy, sharp, work, work, blah, blah type of energy that's happening. Mm -hmm. um, so we do have that whole creative kind of connective, more uh, restful influence as well, which is good to balance. Uh, but Venus and Pisces... Um, We'll have that for at least another two, three, two weeks, three weeks-ish. So yeah, take advantage of that. That'll be nice to do your artistic things, do your creative things, do your do your kind of connecting on, on maybe quieter, uh, smaller scale levels with others, as we are kind of forced to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. I do feel as though we have had a master course and had to do that over this last little, I don't know, <laughs> this timeless void. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep, because Sun is under, well, Sun and Venus are really close. So anytime Venus is uh, really close, anytime any planet is really close to the Sun, it gets more internalized. Mm. 
uh, versus externalized. That is making a whole lot of sense. Uh, it's called under the beams in yeah ancient astrology. They have a whole thing about it. Um, if you're in within a certain number of degrees, it's called under the beams. And then it's like if you look at the sun, if anything's by the sun, you're not going to be able to see it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's that idea that you can't see this stuff as easily. Um, doesn't mean it's not happening. Doesn't mean that it's not effective and amazing and joyful and peaceful and artful and creative. Right. But it's like more, it's just like a quieter. Oh, that's great. That's like a reversed sun energy with the sun card when it comes up reversed. You know, it's still the sun. It's just like maybe it's a little cloudier of a day. Maybe you just can't see the sun exactly, but you know it's there and it's doing the thing. Yeah, or like you're kind of, it's cloudy out, but like you're in front of your hearth fire and it's yeah. nice and you have cocoa and you're cuddling with there a cuddle buddy. Go. Like it's something Nothing nice. wrong with like a rainy day outside your window in your home, you know, like that sounds nice. Yeah. There, I balanced it. I wasn't just there it is. <laughs> no, I, I love learning about uh, the more ancient uh, you know, traditional types of astrology because uh, as we have discussed at length, you know, that it, usually the people who, who look to those types of things tend to be the people that resonate like the most for me. Um, so I think that's really cool. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, well, in terms of kind of flowing into the next thing, we were just talking about Venus and Pisces. And uh, that happens to be one of the questions that I sent you on my side of things. So why don't we give just like a brief little maybe intro about like what some of these questions were or like what when if someone were to like have these questions for you, like what would they do? Like, do, you know, do they get in touch with you via your website? What kind of things should they book? Any of that good stuff. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so yeah, if anyone wants to book with me, my website is www.aligninglightastrology.com. I am also Aligning Light Astrology on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, you can email me. Um, the information for that is on the website. So definitely book there. Uh, I also have a sliding scale. So, you know, it's a pandemic. I don't want money to get in the way of helping. So if you want that, that information is also on the website. Um, as far as the types of questions, yeah, so you had a bunch of really great questions. So if, if y'all are listening and you have these kinds of questions or like literally any question at all, there, there's no wrong question. Um, you know, you can pretty yeah. much bring it to astrology. Indeed. Yes. No, I completely agree. I, I kind of want to just jump on real quick. Something you said made me think of like, um, like yeah. I am, you know, very much like an intro astrology person. So like coming up with these questions, literally all I did was I looked at like, cause you had done a reading for me before I looked at my natal chart and I just pulled out like my planetary placements and just like saw, okay, mm -hmm. so I have this planet in this sign or whatever, you know, and I hadn't actually ever made that list for myself to like write it out in a way that like I could understand and see easily because you know when when you get it in the chart it's got lots of symbols yeah. and things and I'm still learning what all the symbols are um so it was helpful just like write it out in a language that like felt easily accessible to me right now and then once I did that I just like you know took a look mm -hmm. at it. it was like oh I wonder what that means so if anybody's like I wouldn't even know where to start like literally just if you've ever had your nail chart done or you know can find a place to do that on the internet just to even get like some raw data information uh that can sometimes guide your questions yeah, that's like, that was very intuitive of you to do. Thank you. Yeah, I love that you, you said that because that's actually exactly how I started. Like, really? But I think that must be a very intuitive thing to do. Yeah, it must be. And I think it's really good too because like exactly what you said, writing it out in a way that you understand because certainly like when I was starting, I, I just was like, Google astrologies 
astrologies. And then like, I went to astrology cafe, you know, like we all start there, you gotta start somewhere. But I didn't, like, I didn't really get it until, especially with all like the symbols. And um, I didn't really get it until I too wrote it down. Just, you know, my son is this. And like, I think um, Chani Nicholas, her book, uh, You Were Born This Way. Oh, you were born for this? Yes. Or you were born for this. Thank you. You're you were born this way. It's Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> also Not amazing. Unrelated. Not unrelated. Uh, you were born this way. Um, you were born for this. Whatever that book is so amazing because it walks you through that whole process basically mm. that we kind of intuitively did on our own. Uh, it's all laid out for you. So highly recommend that um, if you have if you're really beginner. But honestly, like you don't even need to do any of that because astrology. I mean. It's basically describing a life. It's describing a shape of a life, uh, the timing and the quality of that time. And everything is fair game. So, you know, if you want to ask me about, you know, a mortgage, um, I probably won't be able to tell you anything specific, but there's a part in your chart that talks about that. (laughs) There's a part in your chart about everything. It can be boring. It can be crazy. It can be weird. Like, it's all in there. So you don't even have to ask anything in a certain way you can just like come in and it's like when I go to the mechanic and I try to explain something about what's happening with my car like the mechanic will figure it out yeah like the astrologer will figure it out. oh my god I love that <laughs> so much that is such an excellent description because yeah me showing up to a mechanic is very much the same as me showing up to an astrologist right now is like pointing at random parts being like it no work <laughs> for why <laughs> I mean I've been making weird noises lately. Please tell me what's wrong with me. Something's smoking. I don't know why. <laughs> I need to replace something. <laughs> Ma'am, Mars is in Aries in your third. I think you need to pull over. Right. <laughs> oh, yes, fun. Yes. No one. Uh, this is why I need astrology, friends. There's no one to hear my dad jokes. Um, no, uh, cool. Let's talk about your questions. Things. That was a digression. Oh, here for it. You had asked about what's up with Venus and Pisces. What are some core characteristics about that? Um, Venus is very happy in Pisces. She is exalted there. And what that essentially means is that she shares a lot of things in common with the things of Pisces. So they're both wet. They're both cold. Um, they're both like kind of growthy, expansive, uh, kind of a nighttime, more passive yin type of energy. So they have a lot of those types of things in common. Um, what that ends up meaning practically is that Venus can Venus really effectively there. So she's really good at being Venus in Pisces and she gets to do it in like a water way versus in Taurus, she's in earth in Libra, she's air. And those are very different. Um, you know, with earth, we have more of those practical manifestations. That's why we're, it's about like sensuality and money and having good times and great grapes and good people and all that, like kind of Venusian nice stuff, uh, and money and the air stuff with Libra. That's why we get more of that kind of, um, I guess, preoccupation with form, um, we get more of those justice, fairness kind of things because it's it's a Venus ruled sign. So it's like, what are these things happening between people, and how do we like work with all that? It's very intellectual, mm-hmm. but it's about that connection with people. So you still get those Venusian things. Um, they also tend to be very stylish because they have that kind of form in their mind of design. There's like a design thing happening. But when you get into Pisces with an exalted Venus, then we're just like, we can like just squish into all of those feelings and make art about it. Um, (laughs) There's going to be some 
I wish I could remember what day it was. There was some day I was looking at in March where I was like, this is such a good day to write like a super emo song. Like that's really sad, oh but God. like super poetic. Oh, it was during the Mars uh, Mercury square that's coming up. Amazing. And like we've got Mercury. Uh, we got Mercury and Venus and Neptune and Sun all in Pisces right now. But anyway, yeah, that's very creative. So Venus and Pisces is very creative. Um, likes comfort. Likes to, it's it's more like it's less kind of that one-on-one or small group partnership or connection with people of Libra. And like Aquarius is more a humanity society. Uh, Pisces is like one love like loving kindness meditation i am one with everyone we are all one being in one large ocean of feelings oh that sounds like me yep uh so it's it's really good for spiritual stuff yeah it's ruled by jupiter traditionally so um jupiter was about justice with a capital j truth with a capital t religious stuff belief um large groups of people uh all of that is obviously being jovial and buoyant and happy and fun and um but yeah all of that with venus you can kind of put that together that that's just a lot of creative energy to work with also uh if that's in your natal chart like that's a very fertile thing in a natal chart to have uh let's see what else was about yours specifically well yeah i know we just came out of a mercury retrograde and uh scrolling through sounds like that uh might be a thing for me oh yeah totally oh there is one more thing though uh so the modern ruler of pisces is neptune and you also have mars in there so like the fact that you dance is perfect like it's just really perfect <laughs> like that mars like movement like action we're like doing something like oh my god all of the dances mm-hmm. like that's perfect yeah yeah, yeah. Yay. I love that you do that. It. When I saw that the first time, I was like, that's perfect. Um, and it's also, it's in your ninth? Is that right? Is that, yeah, it's your ninth too. That's your place of publishing. So, um, and uh, kind of university, the fact that you are a teacher, like you're a te- you are still a teacher, you're a teacher, um, oh. that's all ninth house stuff. So again, we get all of those Venusian things and Pisces things and the dance thing, and then we put it all in the ninth, and then we get this whole thing about, like, institutions, like, you know, it can be, like, churches, but Mm -hmm. it's more, you know, we can be, like, more university with you, because it makes more sense, Uh, and publishing, so that's perfect, because you're a writer, Um, so yeah, it all makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? She's a poet, y'all, if you didn't know, (laughs) uh, if you listen to this podcast, you probably do, she's a poet, so it all makes way too much sense. Yeah, no, Reading through what you wrote about Venus and Pisces, I'm like, ah, yes. Ah, yes. Okay. (laughs) It's a really huge strength. And that's really interesting, too, going along with your Mercury retrograde that you have in your birth chart, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think some people might, like, look at that and be like, oh, no. Right. Um, I mean, in some cases, I've heard of it, you know, causing maybe a delay in mastering your Mercury, like maybe it takes you a few more years to figure it out. Uh, But anytime you have anything like that, where you have to figure it out, you're usually better at teaching it. So then you're better at Mm -hmm. teaching Mercury things, uh, which for you comes in handy, because again, the writing. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, and I used to teach communication, like I used to teach speech when I was teaching. Oh, God, that's the main thing. (laughs) 
Yeah, and it's, you know, your 11th house of community and friendships and all that. So you're teaching large groups of people about communication. That's that's not far off, is it? That sounds right. Um, I wanted to look at when your progressed Mercury went direct, though, because that happened at some point in the past. And I... So progressions are a timing technique, and it basically stretches out time in a way that it takes the planets a lot longer to go around your chart. But it says it's kind of this added layer uh, kind of behind the layer of your birth chart, giving an extra added flavor to things. Um, so it, I, you can't see this right now, but you're, right now your progressed Mercury is going direct. So at some point it went forward. And let's look at when that was. Probably years ago. And usually when a progressed Mercury that is going retrograde stations and then goes direct, there's some kind of shift in either the path or the way that one communicates, one connects, one kind of does those mercurial things. And that was in 2005. So I don't know if how like 2004, 2005, 2006, like kind of that transition of time. Anything change with your Mercury? <laughs> 2005, I would have been 15. So that would have been high school. Did you decide you wanted to be a writer or decide that you wanted to do anything then? Well, around then was when I was just like, I was already in theater stuff and like doing those things my freshman year, but like sophomore year was when I started thinking like, okay, this might actually be like a thing I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in high school, one of one of the things I was considering doing was like doing acting full time and like going to acting programs and stuff. Um, and then I wound up deciding to do teaching so I could teach theater instead. Um, but like for my sophomore, junior, senior year, like that was very much in in the mix. You know, I was doing I was doing all the things that one would do if, if you were considering acting school. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. So yeah, that would be kind of, cause when you're that young, it's looking at astrology and people that young, like it's hard to say what's right. going on. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, and you were saying that like direct was like happening around like now-ish, like there was, what was it about progressive mercury that's happening like now? Oh, now it's just direct. It's been direct for a long time. But back in 2005 is when okay. it stationed and it started going forward after going backward your whole life. So, um, so yeah, it's that kind of shift. It's a, and it, That's a big one. That's a big kind of, And that's why I said more like 2004, 2005, 2006, because I would expect someone to take some time to adjust to that kind of shift in a chart. Um, yeah. and, and 15 is oh my god dude you know what it you know what it was what holy shit i just thought of it you know what it fucking was um 2005 is when like right around in there was when i was like essentially nominated like captain of drama team i guess is like the best way to be like i was like the (laughs) yeah the director that i had at the time like had like a person in each like year that would lead like our warm-ups essentially um and it was like Mm -hmm. I don't know, for, for lack of a better name, it was, like, the team of, uh, like, if you did team sports, it was, like, the captain, right? Like, it was, like, I wasn't running rehearsals necessarily, but I was always there and, like, helping out and doing yeah. things, and, I, you know, that sort of stuff. And so, from that point, like, that, I was very much being mentored into that sort of thing, and that, I, I felt like I could step into performance and step into communicating, like, 
that way through performance and through expression, like that's like when I started doing that. Cause that's what, what got me started directing. That's what got me started teaching. That's what got me started. Like all of the things that I now like do. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And this is also super cool that at the same exact time you're progressed Jupiter, which uh, you have Jupiter natally two degrees away from your ascendant degree. So Jupiter's at seven degrees cancer. Your ascendant degree is at nine degrees cancer. Um, but progress Jupiter, which is moving super slow, obviously, is at the same exact degree as your ascendant at nine. And that's Jupiter's all about teaching. And it's about that mentor mentee relationship. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. And that so you kind of stepping into that teaching and it's in your first house of you. So it's literally you doing that and it's being supported by mercury progress going direct so yeah you had a big mercury story like very early in your life um people with mercury retro on their chart sometimes it can feel a little more potent that's more of a medieval renaissance type of era idea that that came to be um it it was more like if a planet stations within seven days of birth Mm-hmm. that's what we consider like a really potent one. So let me see if yours are going to meet in its station. Maybe not, but we can highlight it. So fascinating. There's so many things to look at. There is. And I mean, basically, if you do have like a quote, potent Mercury, whatever that even means, you know, I don't know. Sure. Uh, but essentially, I would say that, yes, then your Mercury is potentially more Mercury for you in your chart. Um, it depends on a lot of things, uh, where Mercury is placed, what house they're in. Like if they were in a 12th mm-hmm. house or an 8th house, that might negate a lot of things. But yours is in a pretty prominent position. Um, you know, it's in the 11th house, which is going to be pretty public as well. So I would think that it would it would have more of a more of an effect. But let's take a look at the days. Oh, your birthday is going to be here pretty soon, too. Oh, yeah. Technically two months to the day uh, that we are recording this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's pretty pretty much in the middle of its retrograde. So, uh, you know, it could be a more unwieldy, but a more fruitful in, in kind of adaptive, um, creative way type of Mercury. It might take a little longer to get a hold of, but once you do, it's way better than what you might have had otherwise because um, you're forced to make adaptions. Is that a word? Yeah, that is very much felt like my Mercury story because, like, I, you know, being someone who you know got into this, you know, a little bit at a time, you know, obviously the first thing you hear about Mercury retrograde is like, oh my god, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah that escalated quickly out, in know, society. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like the first thing. It's like, oh, okay, all right, yeah. that's a thing we need to look for. Um, and the more I'm able to use that time, like the, especially the, like the retrograde itself, to like tie up loose ends, like just shifting my focus to that, like what it's good at, as opposed to like trying to force different things that maybe it's not. And you're just like working with it, you know, like and, and being more in relationship to. Because that's kind of how I think about tarot, you know, like being in relationship with these cards, you know, and so thinking about the planets as well, you know, like being in relationship with them. It's like, okay, well, why am I forcing, you know, this relationship essentially to do this thing that it doesn't want to do at this very difficult time? <laughs> you know, when if uh, if I'm aware and can maybe look ahead a little bit, you know, I can I can maybe make some different decisions. Um, so that is that has felt better uh, the more I'm able to kind of lean into that and just like be aware of it. Um, but yeah, there are a couple of, of points that I've noticed, like in the in, in the Mercury retrograde specifically. That's like, ooh, ooh, like that that bad one. A couple 
couple of days, that'll, that'll hit you. <laughs> and then like, I'm, then I move through it and then it's okay. So I'm still kind of identifying where specifically that is. I'm like noticing and writing it down in like my little, my little moon and planet journals that I've been tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. No, I love that. That's so beautiful. And again, intuitively right on it. That's how, that's how I love to think about it is having a relationship with the thing, aligning with not fighting the thing that's happening. And I think that's what kind of the, the mainstream idea right now is, um, just about any quote unquote difficult transit is like, you have to, you have to like control it and manhandle it and, and all of this stuff. And it's like, nah, actually, like the water path is probably better here. Um, but Mer- like you, you said it like a true like m- like birth chart Mercury retrograde person because people who do have Mercury retro in their chart or any planet retrograde in your chart, you are likely going to be more comfortable during those types of transits just because that's already your normal kind of state. So you're like, oh yeah, nothing new here. Uh, welcome everybody. The water's right. warm. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yes. um, but I mean, Mercury retrogrades, especially, it's just a good time to be super mindful and to, you get three reminders a year to be mindful and it's Mercury retrogrades because usually when the, the shit happens that we don't like, it's when we're going too fast, we are multitasking and we're taking that Mercury and dialing it up too far for the context and we need to be reminded. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you said that really perfectly, that that is the attitude to have for sure. 100%. There go. Um, so you're probably just more skillful at moving through these things, maybe because you've had to be more aware of it than other people. Um, so sure. that's usually, you know, what I would say about someone with a Mercury like yours. Oh, thanks. Oh, did you want to talk about your moon? Ooh, I would love to. I've been on a big moon journey lately. I actually listened to your uh, one, not your last podcast, but the, the one before that, where you were talking about your moon journey, and that was really, really fun, and it was it re-inspired me, because when I got into astrology, like, I started with moon stuff, like everybody does, because uh, it's the most accessible, and it's obviously right there in the sky all the time, it, so it right. makes a lot of sense. Right, you can see it, <laughs> um, but... Uh, I should also be doing moon things more. I should be doing that because I feel better when I'm when I'm more cognizant of that and kind of going with the seasons of like the light. I got that book. It's on my shelf. It's what is it? So uh, the moon good. book by what's Sarah Faith Gattisner. Yes. Yeah, I'm so excited. I I like read the eclipse section and then put it on my shelf because I don't have time to read it yet. But it's on my. Oh shelf. my god! No. I yeah, so cool. So I pretty much decide, you know, what I'm going to think about the moon based on the amount of light that the moon has. I'm all about that light. That's pretty much how ancient astrology, it was all about like geometry and light and that kind of stuff. And so the more light, the more activity, the less light, the less activity. Um, even if that activity is external, it could be internal, it doesn't have to be external. So like for full moons, um, you know, Uh, kind of thinking uh, the culmination of events or the culmination of ideas so you can have like an aha moment or uh, kind of a realization like hey that is outside of my boundary or something like that you know and then you know there's usually like a building up in the waxing part and then a dissemination in the waning part Uh, that's Mm -hmm. kind of the general idea so like if I was gonna and I'm going to get to what this means in a natal chart, but I really like to think about it like making a cup of coffee because it's super literal. Like if mm-hmm. I am at a new moon, I am intending to make a cup of coffee. 
And then I gather all my ingredients because I'm a nerd about it. So I've got my special like little cone thing and a little filter and um, got to grab my little beans up. Got to get more beans. They're in the freezer. Got to thaw those out. So it's a whole process. And then that's all waxing. And then by the time you get to the full moon, I have created my cup of coffee. It is amazing. It is in front of me. And now I get to drink it or share it. And that's what all happens during the waning part. And then you like by the time we're getting to like, you know, less than a quarter wane, like waning, like we're doing the dishes. We're putting a, we're putting away the teacups. And we're going to rest and reflect on our cup of coffee that was dope as fuck and think about the next one. So that's how I look at a lunar cycle, right? So if you're in a chart, like yours is a waxing, is it a wax? It's definitely waxing. Is it a quarter or is it a deep quarter? It's a, I think it's the same as mine. It's a lot of energy, which is good. Uh, I think in the little chart it says your natal moon phase is that of a waxing quarter moon. Thank you. Yeah. So that waxing, you're kind of at the stage where you're gathering all of your ingredients. You're gathering all of your stuff to do the thing. Um, so it's it's kind of this time where it can be a little awkward, you know, getting everything set up. Like <clears throat> you're not even making the cup of coffee yet necessarily, uh, but you're about to. So that life, when we look at that in a natal chart, what does that say about a whole person or a whole life? That's pretty broad. But what we can maybe say is that there's this excitement. There's this excitement to do. Like, I feel like I got to do something. Like, there's something I got to get done. Mm-hmm. So there's God, that so feeling. Yep. Versus if we were on the other side of things, and let's say you're a waning um, corner moon, you might feel like you've already made the cup of coffee, but it's so good, and who am I going to share it with? And, like, what am I going to do with it? So it's, it can still be super active and it can still be, you know, cause even a waning gibbous is super bright. That's still a lot of activity, even if it's mm-hmm. waning, um, and it's maybe on the last half of the story, but man, that story can be 20 years long. So, um, yeah, I would say if, if you have a quarter moon like yours, it's exciting and there's a lot to do and a lot of energy to want to do things. So if you feel that kind of impulse, maybe that's where that comes from. I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and just in like my own kind of, um, experimenting and looking at with the moon like that full moon being like (laughs) creative download time is huge like oh my gosh like I need to genuinely start planning my life around when full moons are going to happen and protecting the couple of days before and after as like straight up just like sacred download time (laughs) I like for my creative projects specifically my creative projects and I think that's just because I'm what that's what I'm focusing on right now like yes. I I'd probably yes. be able to like turn this to something else you have a Leo moon too but yeah oh my gosh dude that Leo moon Ooh, I got so that was the one I was talking about in the in that podcast episode so yeah you know but that um, but then even just this most recent one yeah. in, in Virgo was um like I figured out the plot to book one of my series that I like have not been able to like push through on this block for like months and like it just like a perfectly placed little research hole just like I wrote like 15 pages of plotting in my notebook it was like yes um so yeah perfect knowing knowing that feels really good um I also (laughs) I don't know if this has anything to do with astrology or is just like me as a person or where I am right now um be something to continue and look at um but because that time is like so active for me like 
and the, and the time leading up to it as well, like a couple of days before and then like maybe a day or two after. Um, I'm like so exhausted afterwards. I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel, I don't know. I feel like I'm really excited at the new moon because it's like, yes, we're going to do things. This feels like good and normal. And then like there's usually some, you know, kind of that awkward bumps in the road of like the waxing where you're like getting bigger. And then like the full moon feels fucking great. And then the waning is like, oh, God, no, we hate it. Oh, this is hard. We don't want to do this. <laughs> and, then the, and then we get to like the dark moon right before the new moon. And then I have like an existential crisis. And then we'll start all over again. It's like very much feels like the cycle I'm on right now. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh man, no, I mean, yeah. With with your chart, I agree one hundred percent. You should protect that full moon time to be creative and and everything. Because yeah, that Leo, that Leo moon that you have, and yeah. So then, especially Leo, uh, or sorry, full moons. And then also your like third house is Virgo. So a Virgo full moon in your third house of writing and communication seems like a really good deal. <laughs> seems like a really good. That makes sense. So yeah, those two. So you'll have two months in a row of full moons where you're going to be like, well, and even like your first, the one before that too, Cancer. Um, I mean, you have Jupiter in there. Rising. It's you. It's your first house. So like, yeah, I would say like that block of your chart, all that full moon space. Mm-hmm. I'm doing snaps, everybody. I'm snapping. Good time. Yeah. I'm like taking notes on that. I'm like, yeah. Hmm. And then for there oh, we go. I mean, <laughs> the only other thing I like to talk to or talk about with um, lunar phases is then again going to the progress chart, which I wasn't expecting to do talk about progression so much today, but um, I do use them. Oh, that's true. Um, you have what are you in right now? You are in about, you're actually brighter. So you're in a waxing gibbous phase. Oh yeah. Cause in 2025, 2026, you're going to move into your progressed full moon. So that's like a, a big 20 year long thing. And that's like a culmination. That's a huge culmination that lasts, you know, so maybe if you want to like finish a book by then. I was going to say, like, are you giving me publishing dates? I think I might, I be, like you might be giving me publishing or at least finish, finishing dates. <laughs> uh, some, yeah, because then you'll have the next 10 years to disseminate it or, or build more off of that work. That's another thing that happens, too, I think, a lot during that, that waning phase that we don't give a lot of attention to is sometimes what we, what we had happen in that cycle, then there's like a little offshoot that comes from the waning cycle where you know, you, you build off of what you just learned or you build off of, you know, whatever conversation you had from that cup of coffee that you built, you know, mm-hmm. uh, build yeah. a cup of coffee. No, I said that. That yeah, just gave me such a, such a good, such a good place for that. Cause yeah, like where I am with book one of my series, like I genuinely think that I can have it written like very first draft style, probably by the end of this calendar year into next. And then that'll be the you know initial editing going through making sure that it makes sense with all the rest of the world building and stuff that I'm doing and then I know of myself like being mm-hmm. someone who loves series and serial type books and stories like I am not going to feel comfortable like shopping a book one around until I have at least a good chunk of book two written because like if this is a thing that does get picked up and published like I need to be ready to go and like just like in the story and I want to make sure that whatever I'm saying is happening in book one 
feels good for book two before I'm ever having to have discussions of compromising anything for my characters, right? Like, what do I want to do? That's so smart. So I think if I can use, like, this idea of, like, mm-hmm. 2025, like, being when I want to have book one ready to be, like, shopped around, like, that could that could mm-hmm. be, be the thing that feels good. Yeah, Very absolutely. Attainable. Build your little... Very doable. Build your little chicken fence around your garden and grow and and uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a perfect plan. I didn't even think about that. That's so smart. I did, obviously I'm not a publisher of any kind because I would not have thought to do that. But yes, definitely be ready with the second one because <laughs> that would suck to have mm-hmm. to write that quickly. Um, exactly right, and then you just like rushed and it's like not what you want it to be necessarily. No, that wouldn't be good. That wouldn't be good. And then you're like the Hunger Games, and by the end of book three, it just stops for some reason. And no Wait, one really understands why. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> but real. And, okay, any, anything else with that? Anything else with that? No, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, I think we talked through a lot of the big points of the questions that you sent me. Thank you so, so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to like, especially highlight Let me with that? Let see if there was anything I was really excited about. I think about. we I'm talked through most of it. it. Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of big transits going on. Uh, we all Oh, yeah. Right <laughs> uh, yours is, you just have so much focus on your seventh and eighth house for the next few years based on perfections, which is a different timing technique that I use. Um, you just have a lot of focus on there. It's all Saturn because it's Capricorn and, and um, Aquarius mm-hmm. and your seventh and your eighth respectively. And what are seventh and eighth houses again? Yeah. So seventh house is, uh, it's your one-on-one main partnerships, most important ones. So that can be business partnership, romantic partnership, marriage, um, mm-hmm. can also be like a one-on-one client type of thing happening. Like if you're someone who has a client type of business, um, it can also mm-hmm. be an audience. So mostly marriage, but definitely those other things come in sometimes. Uh, And then eighth house is death, taxes, um, the occult, which is kind of a random little corner, Um, inheritance, those bigger money things that happen. So it's not like your personal finances. It's like finances that are pooled in with the other and it's other people's resources. So if like second house is your resources, eighth house is other people's resources. And so another mm-hmm. one with the eighth is collaborations. So it's mm-hmm. it's like eighth house is actually kind of a lot. There's a lot in there. So all of that weird kind of complicated money stuff, including inheritance, death, other people's resources, your partner's resources. So it, like it can be a lot of adulting and like heavier, like kind of no, this, sort of. That feels very validating because like that is exactly what I'm at. Yeah, and you've got another couple years of that. That's okay. Honestly, like, I've kind of felt that, like, like where I am with those things right now, like, in my own discussions about where they are. You're more than halfway through, though. You just... Well, that's good. You finished your Saturn <laughs> return. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. No, you that, did. That makes you a finished lot of your sense. Saturn return. So, I mean, you're through. You're halfway through it. You're over halfway through. And then you get Jupiter time. And Jupiter time is awesome. So it'll be good. It'll be good. 
Yes. Oh, goodness. Thank you so, so much. I'm excited to continue digging into that. You're welcome. My pleasure. Just so much, so much good guidance from that. And uh, yeah, for friends listening along at home, that was uh, like not even like a 30, like, about like a 30, 35 minute discussion. Uh, so again, doesn't, it's not that this takes a whole lot of time either necessarily, you know, when uh, uh, to, to get some really helpful insight. Thank you. <laughs> I think a lot of the time people have this idea of like, you know, booking a tarot reading or booking an, uh, an astrology chart reading or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it has to be like this huge, you know, uh, amount of time or this huge time investment. Mm. And it really, it really can be just like some, just a couple of good questions and you have things to work on for like years, no, I mean, <laughs> you know, which is great. Yeah. It's like the dentist. You just go, it takes like, you know, an hour, you know, you should do it maybe once a year. Maybe every six months if you're being really, yeah. like, on top of it. But, yeah, yeah like, it's it can be – it doesn't have to be super, like, daunting and serious. And I'm really not. Like, there are certainly – some of the best readings I've had have been very psychologizing and um, internal and, like, very psychology-oriented, mm-hmm. character analysis-oriented. Like, those have been amazing. But um, I don't do as much of that. Yeah. Mine's pretty practical. If you, like, it just – it's nice to have validation sometimes that, the, like, the path that you're doing – is is the the good like you're on the right one um it's basically i always say it's like having a dimly lit path you're like in the forest and you're like shit i ran out of batteries and then i show up with a flashlight give you a little you know you can see a little bit of the path ahead of you and you're on your way exactly get you to the next road stop right navigational buoys yes how we're all doing this right (laughs) we're all figuring it out as we go right Oh, so uh, my path seems to not have enough navigational buoys, ironically. Oh. <laughs> it never I'm in the open ocean. Never seen I'm in the open ocean, y'all. Uh, well, actually, what you just said is... Which comes in with Liana helping me. I was going to say, what you just said made me think of a card, and it kind of makes me want to pull it for your significator. And so... Thanks again to Claire Moon of Aligning Light Astrology for this brilliant first part of what's going to be a two-part episode. This was her reading for me on some astrology questions. Tune in next week for part two, where I do a three-card read for Claire all around the significator that popped into my head at the end of that episode. For those of you playing along at home, Uh, Claire was talking about their being out in open ocean, feeling maybe a little bit out at sea. So feel free to play along at home and see if maybe you also thought of the same card that I did. And until then, I hope you're doing well wherever you are in your corner of the COVID-verse. And I love you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of What's Up Deck. You can find me on Instagram at this piece of work. Or if, like me, you wish to avoid social media whenever possible, join me in my corner of the internet at lianamarie.squarespace.com, the best place to book me for tarot readings, writing workshops, and movement instruction. Bye!